This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 41, recorded February 23rd, 2011. Parenting as a Discipleship. Welcome to This Week in Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we are back. Um, as Father pointed out two weeks ago when I said that we'll be unavailable, I was the one who, in fact, was unavailable. But I am once again available. Uh, and so we are, we're back and ready to go with a brand new exciting episode of Prairie Rome Companion. Right, Father? Uh, you might be excited because you're our rest and restored. I'm, uh, oh, I, oh, excited. Oh, bon ami. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> least, okay, hold on <laughs> a second here. Uh, let's the first uh, you see these four little munchkins that I'm showing to father on my webcam right now. Um, <laughs> Yes, and remembering that uh, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, any sanctification of those involved in the sacrament of service will come along insofar as that they serve the salvation of others. Oh. Booyah! (laughs) So, speaking of my kids, this is going to be a great segue. Although we, we have to have the obligatory, hey, Father, how's the weather in Brookings? Uh, not bad, you know. Uh, of course, it snowed this weekend. Uh, we had what ten inches of snow, whatever it was on Sunday. Gosh. Yeah. So, for those of you not in South Dakota or the Upper <laughs> West in general, uh, of course, yeah, they got Brook, where Father's Brookings, and then into Minnesota, they got socked with snow. But South or in Sioux Falls, just an hour, fifty minutes south from um, from Father, we I, we've got something I've never experienced before. And I grew up in Minnesota. I've been in never? South Dakota. Never experienced an inch of sleet. Wow. An inch of – I've never – I've, I've, of course, I've been – but it, it, there was literally an inch of sleet on the ground, which then uh, uh, unfortunately hardened into ice. So my sidewalks, my driveway are covered with an inch of ice, and I'm really hoping that it the, the forecast right, – the weather meets the forecast and gets above freezing today so that it melts. But we'll see what happens. Have you tried copious amounts of salt? Uh, yeah, I, in fact, for the, this is the first time I've, I used more than – I bought a 50-pound bag. I, I, I used the remainder that I had, and then I bought a new 50-pound bag back in January or, or – yeah, early January, and I just used all of it on Sunday, the rest of it. So I am saltless. The salt – what good is salt when it loses its flavor, Father? It's no good to be uh, – but to be tossed out and trampled underfoot. Exactly. So I, I'm hoping it gets trampled underfoot, frankly. Anyway, anyway. And drug under your carpets? No, uh, no, 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 no. Um, so what do you want to talk about today, Father? Well, uh, speaking of your four lovely children, uh, I would like to talk about uh, raising children in the faith and what that actually entails. Last I checked, that entails... Uh, making sure they either go to Catholic school or to the parish religious ed program, right? Right. So we just want to do an incredibly short podcast. That's, thank you very much. Uh, this has been Prayer Room Companion. See you next week, Father. Good night. <laughs> uh, no, it, it takes more than that, doesn't it? I mean, because as, uh, as a priest and maybe for yourself, Dr. Bergwald, and working for the church, you encounter people sometimes uh, – you know, the, who have grown children who no longer attend Mass, who no longer practice their faith, you know, and 
I'll file, you know, file there, doctor. I don't, I don't know what to do because you know we took him to CCD, we took him to Sunday school, you know, we took him to Catholic schools. Why is this happening this way? Right. And so we'd like to uh, talk about that a bit, kind of try to to delve into that. Um, uh, but uh, what actually uh, uh, some things to think about and keep raising and keeping your kids Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I've got a special word, word of the day. Dun, dun, dun. Ready for the word of the day? Go, Father. Discipleship. Ooh. Discipleship. Of course, yes. our Lord in Matthew 28 says to go make a disciples of all the nations. Right? And so... Uh, and, and fortunately for me, Jesus said that to the apostles, uh, which by extension would include you as priests... Uh, need be a concern of myself. He didn't say that to moms and dads, and so you're off the hook. Exactly. Pause. <laughs> Wrong. Darn. Survey says. <laughs> <laughs> Strike one. Bergwald can, Glenn, you have a chance to steal. Um, ah, the family feud. So, but uh, uh, to, to disciple, which is more than just an intellectual education, but it is a. Intellectual, it is a human, it is a habitual formation to build them up in habits and in life. Uh, as our wise and expert theologian, uh, Dr. Berg, would you like to tell us a little bit more to maybe flesh out what discipleship is? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting, Father. It, I was talking about, with Father about this before we, before we started recording. Um, just the last couple of years, I, I've been... Something that's been closer and closer to my heart in my work uh, helping with adult catechesis, adult faith formation, um, coming to a realization first myself and then trying to to do what I can to get the word out. Uh, I, I think that in our time, cate- you know, okay, the idea of catechesis, to throw another word out, catechesis, uh, what that means, of course, over the last few decades has, has really changed from one to the other. And what, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about how it was all fluff and collages and so on in the 70s and 80s. Um, and then Strong a reaction- generalization alert. Strong is, generalization absolutely. alert. Absolutely. That's why I said you've heard. I didn't uh, validate that one way or the other. Um, but then now, well, I will validate. I do see uh, maybe almost an overreaction where catechesis, uh, right, properly speaking, there's been a, a, a strong emphasis on doctrinal content in our catechetical programs. But I think where the overreaction might be coming is we're reducing catechesis to intellectual formation, to what does the church teach? I now know, I, I, I am intellectually formed in an understanding of what the Catholic Church teaches. Um, that's certainly essential for catechesis. But catechesis is much more than In fact, if you look at the catechism, the, 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 the church speaks of catechesis almost in a way where it's almost synonymous with discipleship. That is this holistic process of formation that, Father, you've been describing, where it's not just intellectual. It certainly includes that. That's an essential element, but it's much more... Th- much more than that. Um, one word that occurred to me in term, as you were going through you know, what it is in terms of, of raising kids uh, as, as, a, as a method of discipleship, uh, it's a cultural formation where we in our homes um, are building up a, a Catholic culture within our family, uh, where, where it is that holistic uh, formation that, that, that includes but, again, goes beyond just the intellectual. Exactly, exactly. And I think um, uh, uh, discipleship going beyond that intellectual, talking a bit about culture, 
Um, maybe or just which sometimes can be maybe a bulky word to use uh, on a common level, but it's just that atmosphere of following Jesus, the atmosphere, that inclination, that desire to follow after, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I'm thinking just you know looking at the word disciple discipline, mm. right? A regularity, a regulation, to be a student of something. You know, we, uh, all of us in some way practice will, willingly practice discipleship in di- various things in our life. Some people are disciples of their iPod, right? Some people are disciples of their fa- of their fantasy baseball league or their fantasy football league, right? Where they do all sorts of research and effort into these things. And um, some people are disciples into cooking. You know, what's Paula Dean doing now? You know, by the way, Paula Dean does nothing new aside from put another stick of butter in the pan. Um, but so 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 in terms of faith, you know, with your child. You know, to look to start to look and build up for them habits of being, and the habits are a way that we can grow into that interior and that personal relationship, which is necessary as part of uh, the Catholic faith. And, and and keying right there, you're you're alluding to at least implicitly uh, the 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 crucial importance of prayer. Um, uh, of, of fostering um, family prayer, and then as much as we can, in an age-appropriate manner, um, uh, individual prayer among our children for those of us who are parents raising them. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you talk about relationship. I mean, one thing that I've just been emphasizing, and in my own life, um, as, as much as in in, in, in teaching others, uh, but but if we know Christ in so far as we know Him. Uh, how can I speak about him if I don't know him personally? So, so the, the necessity for me, Chris, to know Christ in my own prayer, and then as a husband and as a father, to do what I can to to help my family and be helped by my family to grow right. in that life of prayer as as individuals, but as a family. You know, uh, I think also too that whole idea of um, like with, with the children. Then, so where do the interests lie? You know, as you look with them in the faith, where might their interests lie? It might be a place that you don't know about as a parent, you know, or that you're not as comfortable with or that you're not as interested in. You know, uh, your young little daughter might be very interested in St. Mary Goretti, who you've never really bothered to learn about because you're a guy and little girl just doesn't. I mean, yep. but so then you start to read on her, learn on her, start telling your daughter stories about St. Maria Goretti, you know, buy her uh, uh, something to, to aid her in a devotion on St. Maria Goretti. And so, how can we? Uh, how, how can I be? How can I maybe stretch myself to build them up in that way? And I think that's part of that relationship of discipleship. I think the other thing too is that you want to give them an example to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to give them an example to follow, which doesn't, um, which of course puts a little more pressure on you. And yes, it can get messy because you can fail, you can goof up. Um, but that, but that has your child has to see devotion, faithfulness, Catholic life. Infleshed in someone, and the best person to see it in is their parents. Absolutely, yeah. There's a. Uh, I think our Sunday visitor puts out a little pamphlet: top ten things to be a good Catholic dad, top ten things to be a good Catholic mom, something like that. And mm-hmm. and one of them for the dads, I'm pretty sure this is where I've seen. It, uh, let your kids catch you praying. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, it has to be a natural. You can't just, oh, look at me, I'm reading the Bible. Uh, but in a natural way, you, your kids should, on occasion, happen upon, they should happen upon me um, praying. And the beautiful thing, especially, you know, my kids are, are um, six and, and under, 
they're very open right now. Um, my oldest daughter, you know, not every night certainly, but but I've been struck lately by how much it, it, it when um, when we're putting them to bed, she wants to uh, you know can we pray the rosary at least start the rosary you know she she wants to do that um, at dinner what will uh, on on occasion um, I'd like it to be more often than it is but but on a regular occasion we'll read from a ch- children's book of children's Bible stories and my oldest wants to do that every can we read two stories tonight um, so when they're young they're open to it and and the thing that I need to remember um, is it, I, you know I, I have so much other thing I have stuff you know I get the dishes da, 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 but I have to take advantage of those moments now because if she follows the cultural norm which hopefully in many ways she won't uh, but if if my kids do you know ten years from now they're not going to be oh dad can you read another Bible story I hope I hope that they do but if I don't nurture that desire they have now if I don't respond to it now uh, it may very well dry up. Right. And I think a, a part and parcel of this is that availability as a parent. Right. Uh, that availability to and that attentiveness to where their heart is on something. Are they struggling on something? Yeah. You know, you know, and do we just maybe ignore this struggle, pray that it'll go away? Because sometimes maybe that struggle brings up a fear or concern we have in our own life and our own heart of faith. Yep. Um, and so to not be afraid to, to trust in the graces of your sacrament of your sacramental marriage that God gave you these kids and must want you to help these kids, you know, to take their hand and walk into the graveyard with them sometimes, you know, and where I, things are scary, where things are uncertain, but to walk with them and say, okay, you know, I, let, let's go together. Right. And you just mentioned, um, uh, as we're going there, you mentioned the grace of the sacrament. And I think that's something that I need to be more mindful of. I mean, the fact, you know, the grace, the sacrament, it's the sacrament of matrimony, not the sacrament of the wedding. In other words, the, the grace is present or can be called upon throughout my married life with Jermaine, my wife. Not, it wasn't just grace given on the day we got married, but it's grace that's present and available to us uh, throughout our entire married lives, and then, and, and including, of course, as, as mother and father. Um, and, and, and I need to, to be mindful of that and ask God to, to pour that grace out upon me and us uh, as as we strive to grow in discipleship, right? Uh, and I think another thing with that, uh, so building off is that I think the most pressing thing I think that would hinder a discipleship life uh, with parents and their children probably is that availability. Yeah, you know how I mean, life seems to be so busy, but to trust in that availability um, <clears throat> with the idea of. Uh, um, or, to, or, or to, to, to seek out that availability is a necessary part. You know, sometimes we refer to it as a radical availability, mm. um, so that your children know of your that you're always available in that way, in some way to them. It might not be in the way they always want. Uh, it might not be in the way. It might not be an immediate availability because of just the necessities of life, but that you are available, um, even just like intellectually available. That there are places, so they're not afraid that there are places that you won't go with them. Right. You know, as I work with couples in marriage preparation, you know, and we talk about uh, the vision of marital sexuality that they grew up with their parents. Like, oh, you know, never talked about that. Aside from, don't do it. You know, um, well, no, you know, it comes a point where you know children should be talked to by their parents about sexuality, and yep. you know, it's that at your own age. But to go to some of those things that seem unmentionable, 
It shows them that you're available. So when those questions, concerns that maybe seem taboo, that seem uncertain, I can't question God's existence. My parents love God. Absolutely. You know, now they know, you know, I can actually trust mom or dad with questions of this sort. I completely agree. I mean, well, my kids do ask questions, but they're not at the age yet where they're, you know, it's more of a, well, not challenging, but it could be challenging, but they're beginning to sort of widen their minds intellectually. That will that will happen, and I, and I completely agree, Father. The the importance of being um, open to them and making sure they know that I am open to helping them um, answer any questions that they might have. That there's nothing that's off limits. How we answer it has to take, of course, them into account and so on. Um, but still, the, the, as you said, that 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 sense of intellectual availability where we're they're, they they know or they won't be afraid to ask mom or dad anything. The other thing, yeah. in terms of availability too, I was thinking you know you talk. I've I've read and I'm sure you've heard um, various writers and speakers talking about prayer about when um, if you've got a really busy day, pray even more. Uh, that that time you know in other words I think sometimes you can think I've got so much to do you know I I've got to shorten my prayer time and and, and a lot of spiritual writers will say no you, you, when you when you're really busy you need to increase it and I think something similar there is true in terms of our availability to spouses and to our children um, when we're most busy we have to be most mindful of making ourselves available to them sometimes it just simply won't be possible I mean, we may not be around but we have to be uh, I think. We have to avoid, avoid. There's a whole quality versus quantity thing that sometimes we can fall into. Uh, well, I, as long as I spend good time with them. Well, yeah, that's true. But we we still have to seek to give them much as much quality time as we can. Right, uh, and I, uh, it, it doesn't always necessarily need to be doing something with them, but doing something, or, or I should say, doing something together, but doing something with them. Where you might be doing your thing, working on your thing that you might have, and they can work on their thing, but just so you're together sometimes. Just develops that closeness. Especially amongst men. You know, I'm, uh, uh, I didn't really think about this till this year, but it finally hit me. You know, we have, uh, uh, part of the Newman Center, we have two guys each year, typically guys, uh, that live here and do cleaning work here at the Newman Center. And as of recent year, these guys have also been, Men that are involved in uh, running outreach Bible studies, trying to get other men involved with things from campus. And I just, why have they never had, you know, a work day with these guys? Hey, let's come and break some leaves, you know, and hang out. Because just sometimes with men doing those activities together, you might not even be talking about something aside from the thing you're doing, but it helps to build a closeness, a continuity, a communion with one another just by the simple activity of do of doing things. So, Father, how right, somebody's listening to this? Maybe okay. What does it have to do with discipleship? I mean, shouldn't everybody? Shouldn't any family, regardless of whether or not they're Catholic or Christian, even uh, just make themselves available? How? Where underneath this do we see the reality of discipleship? Uh, on the radical availability, on the friendship, on those yeah, sorts of yeah, things. Yeah, those sorts of things. Right. Well, it, it becomes the human bridge. Um, a very beautiful document from, uh, I believe it was the late 80s, uh, called Pastoris Dabu Vobis. If you have a time stamp on that for you. I think you, it's right? the 90s. I'll, I'll check here. For the a 90s. Go ahead. But Pastoris Dabu Vobis, it was a uh, document after a world synod of bishops. A bunch of the bishops got together with the Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, in Rome, and they talked about priestly formation. One of the things they pointed out 
is that um, is the importance that they need for priests of, of, of their humanity being formed, their personality, uh, the way they talk with people, the way they present themselves just in human fashion, which seems like it has nothing to do with the gospel. But um, but because we're we're in flesh souls, we're human souls. You know, we are um, uh, we're, we're body and soul, body, spirit, and soul together, and so. We, we communicate through the body, we communicate through the senses, we communicate through friendship. And so to disciple, to preach the gospel, you have to build up and foster those sort of earthly connections in that way. Um, you know, as, as one person said to me once, uh, she said, uh, you know, Father, I know you try to get in other priests from time to time for confessions, but at the same time, I like going to a priest I know because it's like a doctor. You know, you want to go to a doctor you trust. You trust them in some ways, so you can ask them the tough things, or that if they need to tell you a tough thing, they're going to tell you it. I think in the same way, too, in the life of faith, to build that trust, it can be, it's built on that natural level of friendship before it's built on that supernatural level of faith and evangelization and catechesis. One of the things I know, you know, in, I know that in seminary, aspect of the formation, um, and other places, too, not just seminary, uh, but human formation, and I think somebody, somebody maybe who's not familiar with with the process of, of seminary and so many, well, human formation. What, what's, what, why do you need human formation for a priest? I mean, they're they're adults. Uh, isn't it just a matter of them, um, you know, learning the theology and prayers and so on? Um, what's human formation in seminary all about? Um, I, for one thing, it doesn't always work. Uh, <laughs> and, there, and there are guys who aren't always receptive to it, but they're just the idea that uh, you know the priesthood is is a personal priesthood. It's it, it's never something in the abstract, although there may be abstract qualities to it. But it'll always be part of your personality, the way that you go about things, the way that you do things. Is always going to play uh, a point in it. the way that you speak, the way that you talk, the way that you tell jokes, uh, the way that you converse with people. And so just to examine those things and say, all right, what about my personality? What about my humanity, even my appearance? Maybe I'm not a fan of showering. I am, but maybe this is a seminary who's not a fan of showering, right? And But to say, all right, but how will that affect your parishioners and maybe drive them away from you, make them less likely to trust you, make them less likely to seek you? Uh, we started out uh, our podcast, and Dr. Bergwell, you commented upon my... <laughs> My what? Hair, beard, father's my beard, my luxurious beard. And uh, our, our previous bishop, our now Archbishop Carlson, he did not want his men uh, to wear beards. Nice. He thought beards created an attitude maybe that of uh, where people were less likely to trust someone with a beard. And uh, no politician has facial hair. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's true because everyone thinks, well, maybe some of the beards trying to hide something. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> But uh, uh, so, you know, to, like so in our seminary, then the whole idea was you had to shave every day because just a matter of appearances, you know, and if you were growing out a beard, that was OK. But you couldn't be growing out a beard every two weeks or something like that just because you didn't like to shave. That's a little bit of that human formation. So and I think there's a, a, I mean, that's part of the process of a, uh, of preparing a man for the priesthood. And I do think there's an analogy there with parents raising their kids and the whole reality that we're talking about, radical availability, friendship, and so on. Of, of uh, It's not that, it's, that's not, 
tangential to the process of discipleship. It's part and parcel of that holistic process of discipleship, growing up um, in a way where our relationships and, and parents with regard to the, raising their kids um, developing what we can to, to ensure that they are growing as mature boys and girls, men and women, uh, with, with, with uh, sound relationships with us, with each other, and with others. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's necessary, but something that I don't think we're taught about. I think, and this also exposes the fact that I think we have, we still have an assumption that the faith will just be passed on by force of uh, life itself. Right. Yep. That, well, my grandma was Catholic. Her mom was Catholic. Her mom was Catholic. Her mom was Catholic. Her mother was a mother. Um, you know, going back all these years, that they'll just magically be Catholic. But we see that the air around us, what we call culture in some sense, the intellectual air around us that we breathe, in some ways has become less and less supportive of making choices of faith. You know, when you have work pressure on Sunday morning, when you have uh, social pressure on Saturday night in a college, all these things that lead you away from that exercise of your faith, the anonymity of a college campus. You know, you go from a high school where you've been with everyone for four years, you know them, maybe you've been with them for 12 years, depending on your type of school, you know most of the people, and all of a sudden you're at a college campus, and you're in the middle of a dorm room, you're, I mean, you're like mail in a box, I mean, you're like, you're, you're like files in a cabinet, the way you're stacked into a dorm, with kind of most, you know, very difficult to get that personal interaction, and it becomes very easy then to just kind of slide by without exercising the faith. Yeah, I, I, I think... I think one of the reasons this has become such a, a a problem, at least a challenge or difficulty in our country, is that because until relatively recently, for Catholics, there was such a strong Catholic culture that was there to support parents and families in this process. You know, we talk about the Catholic subculture or the Catholic ghetto even um, – you know, where you lived and breathed Catholicism to some degree. And so parents parents today, I think in some ways, it's harder for us because we it, – it, it's a double-sided – two-edged sword, I guess. It's harder in one sense because the culture is not as present. At the same time, it forces us to be more intentional, and that's a good thing. I mean, that we have to be more intentional, uh, parents today, maybe than they were a couple of generations ago, in making sure that it, in the home – that that Catholic culture is present in the home because it's not present or as present outside of the home as it was maybe 50, 60 years ago. I think even there, there's a danger that the, just simply having a internal Catholic culture will replace the need for discipleship and to address difficult questions. Yep. Because there's going to come a point of exposure uh, to the world. You, I'm sorry, Dr. Bergwald, but as much as you and Jermaine want to uh, shelter uh, your beloved children, they will someday have to leave your house. I hope so. <laughs> and, and, not, and they may not directly go to a seminary or a nunnery. Yes. You know? But uh, uh, so there has to be a sense of that, of that habit of exercising the faith, of that right. internal strength, yep. that virtue of that public exercise of the faith and of seeking the answers of the faith to counteract, to go against uh, some of these difficulties that will come up. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that it, I mean, sort of implicit in all this uh, antecedent to it all is, is the need for 
for the parents to continue to grow in their own faith. I mean, they can't. I can't pass it on to my kids if I'm not growing in it. Uh, you know, the reality of the spiritual life. If, if if I'm not growing deeper in my spiritual life, I'm 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 regressing in my spiritual life. Uh, and and so. Our own prayer, my personal prayer, again, um, I mentioned this earlier, but in this context, is so important for that reason as well, that I need to continue to grow so that I can help them to grow as well. Yeah. So, yeah. go ahead, sir. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another place I want to go with this, but it's not uh, coming to mind right now. Okay. I, I mean, we're this is this has been good stuff, I think, that the importance of... Of we'll let the downloads be the judge of that. <laughs> well, yes, I guess so. Um, but I, I do think this theme is was one that that we need to do what we can to get the word out more. That that that, and this is it's the vocation of Christian parenthood in many ways. You know, it's um, the, we as Catholics recognize that that one of the central purposes of of uh, Christian marriage is the procreation and education. Of children, um, they they go together. It's, it's the union of the spouses, but then the procreation and education of the children uh, is, is the second end of marriage, the second purpose of marriage. Um, it's not just having the kids; it's educating them in the faith, um, helping them grow in the faith in all the ways that we've talked about, being being open to um, to their questions, helping them to grow into their faith in a mature way, doing everything we can. But again, as I had mentioned before we started recording, you know, th- there's still the reality. I know parents who seemed to have done everything that, that they should have, um, and yet there's still the reality of free will, and, and their kids, um, unfortunately, have, at least for a time, left the faith left practice of the faith, whether it's for another church or for they're just not practicing any, any religion at all. And there, there, there's, and, and we, again, I think of St. Monica in that context, just continually um, storming heaven on behalf of our children, because in many t- once they're grown, you know, we continue to be a good example, but in many ways, the time of formation is over. Right. <laughs> Pardon me, very much so. And I think um, that that whole... Um, uh, the whole mystery of where faithfulness comes from, that it's not born of human choice, it's not born, uh, born of nature, but it's uh, born of the will of God. Yep. Uh, from John chapter 1. Absolutely. All right, well, I think we've kind of said it all, Father. Anything else that you want to add? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm done. I'm finished. Very good. Well, we will continue, and of course, we are uh, moving now closer and closer to Lent. So maybe Father will have to uh, sometime here talk about Lent and what it's all about. But we'll save that for a future podcast. Sounds like a good idea. All right. Thanks once again for listening. And uh, again, I, I don't. I, I've forgotten to mention it every week, but please feel free if you have any questions to contact me by email, um, cbergwald at sfcatholic.org, uh, and uh, we're we're happy to to answer any questions that you might have and maybe ideas for for podcast topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. So until next week, thank you very much, Father. Thanks for being here again. Pleasure to be back. <laughs>